Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Welcome. So what's going on, Robbie? Have you been watching the Olympics at all? Very, very little. Yeah. Um, you know, all I've heard in my little bubble is uh, just stuff about the green water and the mm-hmm. diving pool. Like just stuff about like the hygiene situation. Oh, right, in right. Rio, you know, the, the, the sewage water and stuff. But I was waiting for a barrage of, um, you know, I was I was just noticed I was paying enough attention so I could see the differences between the way they covered Sochi, right, and the way they're covering this, and it's obviously very different because, you know, yeah, as I, much as they're shitting on Rio, they're still like really proud, like we're presenting it like it's like a thing to be proud of, and it's really cool. Yeah, I stuff. haven't heard of had like any scandals whatsoever with the government, any sort of corruption with the government. It's been completely. Um, depoliticized actually compared to Sochi which was a hundred percent about like LGBTQ athletes and how there's many protests and all the Putin <clears throat> stuff it was it really how was the entire completely thing was the opposite based huh? on corrupt money mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah very so. very interesting I mean I mean the main thing with the Olympics that's so disgusting is you just have this massive displacement of millions of people mostly probably villagers you know all these like stadiums are so disparately placed and, you know, not only are they siphoning all the country's resources to build them, they just become completely abandoned once the Olympics are over. It's like mom posted this cool article about all these just abandoned Olympic villages. And my whole thing is let's just do them in the same place every four years so that we don't have to keep building new shit and like doing this over and over again. It's just such a waste. It's like I'm all for the Olympics. If you want to have an Olympics, it's it's cool to watch some of this stuff. But um, it just seems insane, an insane amount of waste and um just a lot of corruption that goes into it you know like all the people who die building the stadiums and stuff it's just it's kind of an absurd pastime uh and also just all these obscure sports that i had no idea that even fucking like existed or were olympic sports i guess i just keep getting reminded every four years but it's just bizarre it's like the people who it's just an interesting lifestyle like who is born into this lifestyle where you're like i'm gonna be like just an olympic athlete in this obscure sport And that's just going to be my whole life. And then like, if you don't make it and then you, you know, if you're, if you're too old or whatever, then you're just like your whole life was just dedicated to this weird thing that no one really knows about, dude. It's kind of crazy. I know. I mean, it is really crazy to think that I wonder if some of these people have like a life plan beyond (laughs) being an athlete, because sometimes I even think of like um, basketball players, like Mm -hmm. say if you're not at the top in the top 10, you know, or top five, like on the team that you're playing on. You probably make a decent living. It's probably better than most people. But then when you're out, you know, you didn't get all these sports endorsements and all this other shit. And even if you do, you that's that's going to end. Right. You know, right. unless you're really smart and strategic about it. I feel like most people run out of money. Um, and it's just really sad to me to think that that's it's like your whole life is invested in this very small window of time in your youth. Yeah, and you're and just being used over, as like a prop, basically, also. You're just mm-hmm. like, you know. But I mean, whatever makes you feel good, like if that's yeah, what yeah, you're yeah, into. Of I just hope that some of these people have like, you know, like a plan B. Okay, like if I don't win a medal or even if I do, what do I do after? Because like yeah. I'm not going to be able to do this every, you know, only be able to do the Olympics maybe like one or t- two other times in my whole life. Um, so it's kind of interesting psychology that must go behind that, you know. It's like. Because there are, I mean, there are other people who dedicate their entire lives to one craft who can do it for their whole lives. It um, also you know, shows you that you die. can really like do anything. It's like just totally circumstantial. You know, a lot of these people were just born into families that were Olympic athletes. So it's like, well, obviously I'm just going to do this. 
Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. What were you just going to and it's and it's like symbolically, you know, it's like a nas- nationalistic. Yeah. It's like I mean, obviously, at a very base level, like we're rooting for like people are like rooting for the American team or whatever. Um, I mean, like Bruce Jenner is probably the most, you know, was the most like famous Olympic athlete ever. And uh, I don't know. I was just watching this funny Norm Macdonald stand-up set about about um, Caitlyn Jenner, and it was kind of like it wouldn't have been nice if like she realized or came out as a woman back then like the oh, gold yeah, medal totally. oh man triathlon winner the champion of the world is a female right like imagine like the the barriers that would have like oh, obliterated man. oh man um but that's not really it's kind of irrelevant but no the olympics is just it's awful well there's I mean, a bunch just, of like crazy scandals too like you know the one of the the girl who didn't put her hand on her heart during the the national anthem and it was just like this huge uh, point of upset across the whole media it's like who gives a fuck and then also every time the narrators say anything about russia it's always mentioning like some sort of like you know joke about like putin or something and then they also say like state-sponsored doping scandal as if russia the state is actually like having this like institutionalized doping of all Mm -hmm. their athletes it's extremely rocky rocky esque. <laughs> oh, it is it is it's extremely Rocky Four esque. Yeah, no, it's so funny because let's say if there was a huge doping scandal here, which yeah, there has been, right. with a bunch of athletes at once, like on like like you know, like a lot that would have basically meant there would have had to have been a conspiracy. Um I mean it's it's like then does that mean it's a US state sponsored doping scandal? <laughs> it's just like it just is really funny that they're acting like Russia is the main one with a problem with doping. Right. It's like, what happened to our doping scandal? Like every single sport that we, like every national, like American pastime sport, baseball, football, mm-hmm. they've all been exposed to have massive steroid and drug problems. Right, right. I mean, even just beyond steroids, uh, that Daryl Strawberry book that just came out is like half of it's about how they were just all drug addicts on speed the entire time. Who's that? They basically would hand out Adderall and Ritalin like in the clubhouse. Daryl Strawberry? Yeah. He's like, a, I think he was a New York Mets, like one of the most famous oh, okay. like baseball players of the 80s. Oh, wow. But it's like when these exposés come out, it's like Jose Canseco's book is just mm-hmm, all about mm-hmm. how all he did was... They were all on steroids. He used to inject steroids into Mark McGuire's ass. Wow. I mean, so just look at these baseball players. They're all like weird top heavy, like fat buff guys. Right. Like they don't, they look like they're all on fucking steroids. (laughs) And it's like, so what is this all of a sudden like a Russian thing? Right. Like, I'm sorry. As far as I know, America has been by far the biggest has the biggest steroid problem of anywhere in the country. And most people understand that. So it is childlike and sad that we're trying to like spin some kind of story that Russia is like putting out all these like steroided out athletes and maybe they are, but it's like compared to us, nothing. Right. Like what? Yeah. And Mike, Mike was telling me that the NBA, like how there used to be this ban on how you can use like NBA players for the Olympics basketball game. And then the U S lobbied the Olympics to change it so we can get like an all-star like basketball lineup and then just like snaked all the gold medals. It's like, wait, how did that happen? It's just so funny that we did that. <laughs> did no, you know about that? I mean, the, um, I know a little bit about yeah. that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, that was by far, and he probably remembers this too, like as a mm-hmm. boy growing up in this country, that was one of the most exciting 
memorable things about the Olympics ever was the dream team. Really? Um, U.S. basketball team. It had Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing. It was like, imagine every single famous basketball player mm-hmm. from the 1980s all on one team. It was almost like an orgasm. Like yeah. for a little, yeah. little boy like into yeah. sports. And yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like, uh, so yeah, no, it's definitely funny that they did that. There's this movie <laughs> called... Um, Bigger, Stronger, Faster. I don't know if you've seen it. It's yeah, all about yeah, yeah. steroids in this country. So there's a part in it where they interview, um, God damn it, I forgot his name. He was the, he was like the Olympic, uh, he won the Olympic gold medal because like the guy who actually won it got like convicted of uh, being on steroids. Right. And it was like a very rigged scandal at the time because it was like this African runner who had done? Who had been tested positive for steroids? So they like revoked his medal and gave it to the this guy, um, who was uh, who had gotten the silver. I think mm-hmm. I wish I knew. Remember the names? People listening are probably like cringing at me trying to describe this story right now. But basically, it was like a rigged scandal designed to make it seem like the American guy was clean mm-hmm. and sober, and mm-hmm. he won it fair and square, and this other guy didn't. But it turned out that the American guy like did all this other shit. That was like just as performance enhancing as steroids that was just like loopholes to get right. around the laws at the time. And that's the thing that most people don't realize is all athletes, every single smart athlete in the world, you would have to be a moron not to be using these loopholes until yeah, exactly. they're made illegal. Exactly. Uh, people who do Tour de France, they would go in altitude chambers, which basically trains your body to breathe in a higher altitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um which is something that a steroid would give you performance edge of, or blood doping. Yeah. They only made that illegal like after a lot of the steroid scandal, but that's gives you just as much of an edge. It's like you get like a blood transfusion. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. already at a disadvantage because everyone else is on them, you know, and then they just keep bringing yeah. up new performance enhancers every year that are just, it just takes a long time for them to get banned. Um, of course, the Ryan Lochte scandal was like the biggest story coming into the Olympics. So hilarious that this ugly fucking, you know, arrogant swimmer, entitled empire baby American who's been like, I had no idea who the hell he was. So I love this. Like, this is the first time I'm hearing about him because I went to his Twitter and it's just him wearing a suit and it's just like at Ryan Lochte and like his Instagram account. It's like, no one knows who you are. You're, why don't you put like, I'm an Olympic swimmer. Like, stop pretending like you're some fucking uh, models for Calvin Klein. But anyway, what's mm-hmm. so hilarious about this guy is that he he like, you know, he claims that he got robbed. I'm sure everyone's heard this story by now, but like he claims that he got robbed at gunpoint. He's all over the media doing interviews. It sounded so fake and like broy and made up in the first place. But I was just like, whatever. Why would I have questioned it? Because you were hearing things about people in Rio getting robbed and yeah. just like how dangerous Which is obviously it was. why he why he did it to try yeah. to pile on and, and get lost in the noise or something. Yeah, exactly. So what really happened is that him and his friends and he's been arrested for this multiple times before is that he just like pissed on the floor of some gas station um, because he was probably just pissed that there was no like public bathroom, you know, very entitled person. So you can see him on security camera like being aggro, like pissing on the floor, this thing. And then, and then like, you know, as you, as you encounter in many other countries, Mexico, a lot of other countries in Latin America, if you get pulled over by a cop, if you do something wrong, run a stop sign, speeding, whatever, or just even if you do nothing wrong, um, a lot of times security forces or police will 
talk to you instead of giving you a ticket or arresting you if you break the law or or do something wrong um they'll just ask you for the fine on the spot that's just like something that kind of happens and so it looks like that's what happened with ryan lochte is that he was breaking the law he was either vandalizing or you know pissing on on the floor of this business and he was basically just paid off security um instead of getting arrested and having a huge embarrassing public scandal that would have been much worse for him you know but instead he was so um irritated they had to pay this guy i don't know probably like a hundred dollars you know he stole his wallet he had his phone they were all on camera coming back to the olympic village like at six in the morning after raging all night but it's just so insane that he was so upset that this happened to him um that he went to the media and made up a fucking giant fake story about getting robbed at gunpoint and like getting forced onto the, his stomach and giving his passport and wallet and all this stuff to the to this guy who said that he was a cop um and it's just so amazing because of course you know, once you make this into a huge national scandal and you're like a, a really famous, of course, American Olympic athlete, you don't think Brazilian authorities are going to be like looking into it? You know, like he I didn't call the cops. He just went to like MSNBC. <laughs> it seems so um, naive. It's yeah. like, it's like, first of all, there are cameras everywhere right. these days. Like, you're like even in third, you know, Brazil, not, I don't even really consider like a third world country, mm-hmm. but like, it's like to assume that that's not going to somehow get back to you. Like there, like that's, it's, it, it became a worldwide news headline. As soon as someone in Brazil who spoke English, read English, saw that they're probably just like, what the fuck is this idiot talking about? <laughs> I mean, it just, it is amazing that someone, I think it honestly just speaks to the, the level of ego and, um, and just um, like narcissism that this guy had, that he think he could get away with it. It's, it's pathetic. It's disgusting. It's gross. But I think a lot of these athletes are just like pretty boy. They're totally in love with themselves. Totally American bro. Like like just empire baby straight yeah. up. Yeah. And it's really gross. Um, and I'm glad this guy is getting dragged to the dirt. And, uh, you know, I mean, his whole reputation should be ruined after this. Unless he profusely apologizes for being a sociopathic moron who just basically a pathological liar. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like, to me, it speaks to a level of like, you would almost have to be a pathological liar to think you can get away with that. It's so crazy. Um, it's so crazy. Um, I love it because a, a lot of his sponsorships will probably be taken away. And also the other swimmers who lied with him, like immediately threw him under the bus and were just like, he made it all up and like led the charge. It's just like, it's so great because it reminds me of just the empire and that's why we we called him an empire baby because it really is like what america does all the time we just go over fuck up other countries and then just blame them yeah it's exactly just like, it's just incredible mm-hmm. it's an incredible well, thing sc- yeah do you remember that scandal in the 90s uh where this one kid like rich kid and his family went over to singapore and he's graffitied like this oh, yeah, entire yeah, yeah, block yeah, 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 yeah. and americans were like outraged that the punishment was caning like fucking dude deserved to get caned. Right. He was in another country. He totally like vandalism in Singapore is probably like so much more egregious than it is here. The country's like as clean as a whistle. There's no you get like arrested if you throw gum yeah, on exactly. the ground. Yeah, exactly. It's like what the fuck was he thinking? So yeah, it's just exactly. funny that that it's like we get upset about that. It's like no, we shouldn't be. We should be like, well, you deserved it, dude. Yeah, it's like, go like, respect <laughs> other countries, you know? Like, go, yeah. if you're going to go into Singapore, don't just go and act like a f- ugly American, like mm-hmm. Ryan Lochte. And it was hilarious. We were out in New York, uh, walking around, and the New-, New York Daily News is just like the most hilarious newspaper. And they had Ryan Lochte in a Speedo just saying, ugly American, in huge letters. I was like, damn, sucks to nice. be you, dude. 
Um, so did you catch the Green Town Hall? I caught enough of it um, where I was a little relieved because when you told me about it, um, I don't know, you had mixed feelings about it. Yeah. But I only watched like maybe 20 minutes. So yeah. what, tell me what your thoughts were on it. Um, well, I mean, it was great. I think you brought this up in the last radio show that we did that, like how the mainstream media is covering third parties for the first time, kind of. Um, Ever. And, yeah. And in, in a really weird way at first, I was like, no, they're just doing it just so they can talk about how they're going to be spoilers, et cetera. Cause that's really what the framing was initially. And then, and then they had these town halls with, first with Gary Johnson and then with Jill Stein and her running mate. And I mean, it was pretty fair. Um, first of all, I didn't know that Governor Cuomo's son was, a, I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but every single person on the corporate media is like tied to some sort of elite political <laughs> establishment. So his son was the one directing the questions to Jill Stein, which I thought was really funny. And I mean, it's just shit that you'll never, you'll never hear on CNN. I mean, I don't know how many people really watch CNN. I'm sure they never re-aired it. You know, I'm sure they did it just to say that they could do it. But like there was a lot of a lot of truth being dropped that like you, you just never hear. And in long form, too, where he was just letting them talk like Jill Stein. One of the highlights was her going off about Empire, talking about how many bases we have, talking about how many other bases, you know, the world's collective countries other than America have, how much we spend on defense over 50 percent mm -hmm. of our tax dollars. So things like that, that I was just like anyone watching this would has literally does not hear this ever. Um, so that was really encouraging. I really liked what she said about ISIS. Yeah. Um, because it just like, it's like a very clear cut way of explaining it, but it's like, we're so sucked into this paradigm that it's like, we must do something about ISIS now. But it's like, she just brought it back to the reality where she's like, well, first of all, like uh, to declare a war, the, the country or entity has to like, they have to. It has to be an imminent threat of some kind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And ISIS doesn't even come close right. to that. Good, so, good point. I mean, if they, I mean, it, so it, it, I just thought that was interesting that she just brought up something very simple. Right. It's like we forget that after the war on terror, that, that was the original rationale for going to war. So something poses an Im imminent threat. Mm -hmm. That's why they always have to find a way to make it so that Iraq made it seem like they pose an imminent threat with anthrax and WMDs. Even Vietnam, they made it sound like that the domino effect was an imminent threat. Mm -hmm. That it was like the communist rule in that area was going to like cascade into like a, you know, a chain reaction. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like as far as ISIS goes, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that they're not one. So um, I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I like and, that she said yeah, you have to starve. Yeah, the being removed was awesome. Yeah, she said that you have to starve terrorism, which is, which you know, really just basic knowledge about not funding them with arms and money. So if you want to stop terrorism, you need to stop funding all these fucking radical rebels all over the Middle East. And unfortunately, that's the U.S.'s main policy when it comes to Syria. So it's really hard, you know, it's really hard to stop ISIS when they just continue to be getting funneled with U.S. dollars and, and arms continuously. So I think that she had a really good point about starving that out and then and then no, let's see what happens. But how sad is it if you really think about it? Like, I don't even know if there are very many clear cut cases you can say that the Bush administration did that on. Right. Like funding rebel factions. So it's actually really disturbing when you think that this is almost all Obama has restarted this sort of Cold War right. era proxy force freedom fighter bullshit and then they can like really, absolve themselves really from you know like the serious yeah. situation right now you can just be like what like what do you mean the u.s is contributing you're like what where do you think all these like what is going on 
you know what do you think yeah. is going on on the ground and where they're getting all their their um arms from you know it's insane yeah it is it's really remarkable that that's not more considered more of an egregious terrible thing mm-hmm. to be doing it's one thing to be suggesting the u.s army should intervene but to like not criticize and to just not be talking about how all these rebel factions are getting all this u.s arms and we just don't know where it's going or how you know it's, it's like crazy man it really it's is so really- crazy. And Adam Johnson reported on uh, The Nation that the Obama administration announced a couple weeks ago that U.S. airstrikes against ISIS, so this kind of ubiquitous war on ISIS that's expanded that you're talking about right now, not you know even though it's not an imminent threat, is now just expanded to the fourth country. No debate. I haven't seen one thing on the media. We're back in Libya, bombing Libya. Um, so it's basically Syria, Afghanistan, Libya, and Iraq. You know, yeah. who knew? Who knew that we're just bombing f- these four countries again with zero debate? So, but, but it's okay yeah, because it's, it's ISIS, right? And it really does blow my mind how, to me, it's obviously some form of racism or like that the Afghan people are like less than regular people or something that we just don't, that the people just here just don't seem to care that it's still going on. It's, it, I don't know if it's because they're more nomadic or they're like they don't have as much running water or electricity it just what is what do you think it is well it's a, is it, it is because racism. there's no media presence there well it is racism like, is it? i think at the entire middle east and anyone who's arab people have normalized terrorism to the point where they just think that that's something that's always happened it's that yeah. barbaric like the clash of civilizations mentality where these people are barbaric they've always had war they've always had strife and that's not true at all as we talk about all the time i mean there was no suicide bombings in iraq before we invaded and there was one fucking one suicide bombing in pakistan and now there's thousands i mean there was just one a couple weeks ago that was horrific so you tell me what what is causing this you know i mean it's just such a dumbed down binary view of the world it's a sam harris view of the world and and that's exactly what drives it it drives the disproportionate media coverage it drives people not talking about any of these bombings or terrorist attacks going on in the middle east because it's like well whatever that's just where it is like no we brought the war to them (laughs) Yeah, I just Afghanistan. Just I mean, yeah, li- the fact that we're bombing another country now is, is awful. Insane. And I just always keep going back to Afghanistan, and thinking, when is it going to end? Nobody seems to care. Right. Nobody seems to be. It's never talked about in a humanitarian way because it's almost like the propaganda campaign that the Taliban and all the people there are just awful people. It just like worked. We never hear about the Afghan people ever. Mm-hmm. And what they want, it's just really, it just makes me really sad to really like picture what it's like over there and how they're still even, I feel even sad for the soldiers. Like, yeah, yeah of it, course. they shouldn't be over there in the first place, but like, what are they doing there still? No, of course. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man, it's, it's a terrible situation. Yeah. The soldiers are just like sitting ducks because they're just ordered to patrol certain areas that are like Taliban are like all over those places and they just set up bombs and stuff. And every week there's like soldiers losing limbs and cause it's just these pointless missions um, just to maintain their operations there, whatever the hell they, those are. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling in 10 years, we're going to find out really, you know, why we're in Afghanistan still. I feel like somebody needs to make a doc, like a really long yeah. form documentary about it or something. I wish I had the time. Like I wish I was ballsy enough to go over there and like film it you know, and talk to people, but I'm not, I'd be ter- absolutely terrified. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to like, you know, you did, you'd have to embed yourself with the Taliban and like find out where the heroin's going, mm-hmm. where the supply chain, 
the supply routes are, are going. Another thing that's just so crazy to me, you know, not only are we bombing these four countries, that's like nothing compared to what's happening in Yemen, which is the poorest Middle Eastern country. Millions of people are food insecure. And Saudi Arabia, there's a civilian massacre going on every week. It's like fucking the dirty wars in Central America. I mean, there's in the past week, we bombed a Doctors Without Borders hospital. And I'm saying we because it's our arms again. Our arms, mm-hmm. our money. We are leading this coalition with Saudi Arabia against this freaking completely just victimized country that has done absolutely nothing. It's a completely fake thing. It's just like Turkey bombing the Kurds for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. And so Yemen, basically, within the past 10 days, a market killing like 18 people and then a school killing like 10 kids and then a Doctors Without Borders hospital again, killing mm-hmm. a ton of people. Um, all of these are targeted purposefully. Yesterday, there was a huge march in Sana'a, which is the capital of Yemen. Millions of people. It was so crazy looking. It looked like the Arab Spring in Egypt again. It was like really empowering to see, you know, despite Saudi warship or not warships, warplanes, you know, circling ahead, that there's just millions of people out there in the streets basically standing up in the face of these bombs and, and just this crazy war saying we will not back down. Um, so I don't know what the hell is going to happen. It's 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 an absolute travesty that we are funding this every day with our tax dollars. We are funding these civilian massacres. And the U.S. has not said a word. No one talks about this. It's like bad enough what's going on in Saudi Arabia. It's bad enough what they're doing around the world. Not even to mention the, the whole 9-11 thing. But I mean, this is just a whole nother level of just this full-blown assault going on. Um, no, and it's, it's outrageous. It's, it's just so disturbing because it also shows that if you only look at what America is doing yeah. and what countries they're bombing, you're only seeing a small part of the picture because this is a hundred percent one of America's, you know, we are completely fully on board st- our stamp of approval on this. And it's not just us, you know, making room for and allowing them to do it. And, and also it's not just us funding them with aid. It's also we're, we're helping uh, secure huge amounts of weapons for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Huge amounts. Like this is a part that got lost in the recent story about Saudi Arabia, but um, it says, uh, this is a New York times um, editorial from August 17th. It says that last week uh, the state department approved the potential sale of 1.15 billion more Mm -hmm. in tanks and other equipment to Saudi Arabia to replace items destroyed in the war. Wow. Um, that's so it's just so it's like not just hey, we're going to give you more tanks for like, you know, future military protection. Like these are literally replacement units for whatever like damages they've already suffered oh in God. destroying Yemen. Oh my god. And get this too. This contract obviously has political and capitalistic uh underpinnings because General Dynamics reported, this is from The Motley Fool from August 21st, General Dynamics reported a three-point decline in sales uh, last year. So this arms, this is like one of their biggest tank purchases ever. Mm-hmm. Um, 1.15 billion in tanks from General Dynamics. And the contract was overseen and like General Dynamics people were like in the congressional buildings, like helping oh devise God. this weapon sales. But this is the weird thing, Abby. This is actually how it happens every single time. When you look at any of these big, you know, pushes to send weapons to another country, like let's say if the Ukrainian weapons yeah. vote went through, there would have been a Raytheon, a Lockheed Martin, and a General Dynamics person there at the table. 
because that's how this works. Right. It's not, this is not like, oh, we're going to allow, you know, these are American companies that do our bidding and that also, you know, fund all these other countries' wars. Yeah. Like these are, these are yeah. not international corporations. These are American companies that America does like the accounting and like the paperwork exactly. for when they're sold to other countries. Exactly. It's insane. And, and what's, what's, Fucking insane. what's also insane is that Hillary Clinton gets funded primarily by Saudi Arabia. I mean, it, I, I can't believe this is not like more of a point. Um, I know that Donald Trump mentions it a lot, but he should mention it like every time he speaks is how literally mm-hmm. the worst, one of the worst Middle Eastern countries in terms of authoritarianism and funding of terrorism and just like complete brutality, um, not to mention this war, is funding Hillary Clinton's foundation with like $10 million a year other than that Ukrainian oligarch, um, Peter, like the Petrov Foundation or whatever. So it's like two really bizarre foreign entities. I mean, that should be illegal, right? No, wow. It's, it's so crazy once you really start adding all this stuff up and looking back at it because – um, right after 9-11 on September 25th, Saudi Arabia announced that they were finally cutting its financial ties to the Taliban. They were propping up and oh funding my the God. Taliban the entire time when all those alleged, which I don't even believe are true, all these alleged Al-Qaeda training camps were there. You know, it was mostly yeah. just like Bin Laden hiring hype men and people to surround him for when he would get interviewed. Um, but yeah, so it's like Saudi Saudi Arabia has been involved in everything bad. Yeah, exactly. And we just don't care. And that's why when people are like, why do you always focus on Israel and, and Saudi Arabia? It's like, because those are the countries that my government is funding. And those are the like some of the biggest terrorist states in the world. So it's like, why wouldn't I care? Why don't you care? Why do you focus mm-hmm. all your energy on Russia? Like, I, I'm way more concerned with what's happening in Israel, in Saudi Arabia, and what those countries are doing to fund all of this crazy shit, not to mention what my government's doing. It's like, it's like really hard to wrap my mind around. There's so much to to focus on with just what our tax dollars are paying for let alone like what what else is happening around the world so that whole like what aboutism it's like that's totally fine if you want to focus on all these other countries but like the buck stops here like we should all focus on what our dollars are are doing and sponsoring correct and then we can focus on like okay once we have that under control stop the empire stop all this death and destruction then we can focus on all these different dictatorships i mean chances are we're funding them too somehow by proxy so it's just unbelievable yeah. like the, this like guilt constant concern trolling and guilt that i get on a daily well, basis well it's it's it, it's that's exactly what it is it's it's concern trolling <clears throat> yeah. it, it's like it's not i can't stress enough because it's like all these people whether even if they realize it or not they're using like concern trolling tactics to try to basically get liberals to be neocons mm-hmm. it's it's the weirdest thing ever it's like Wait a second. It's like you're so you're like I just saw that guy. Um, I think his name is Dello Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like the him. activist guy. Yeah, he got into. See, he finally got into it because I guess Talib Kweli like retweeted something he yeah, said yeah, about yeah. A- new atheism, and he got hammered. And there was just this guy constantly saying like, "Just admit it. Like, why won't you admit that U.S. human rights are better than the Middle East? Like, what? why are you such a regressive? Like, oh, blah blah." And you just kept going God. on and on. And it's like. It's like that's if that's the position in which you're seeing the world at, like something is fundamentally wrong right. with you as an a fully formed adult. Like right. you're fucked up, dude. Right, right, right. It's sad because I don't understand it. I mean, but it's just like that is a narcissistic 
weird um like i don't ha- this none of this is my problem like yeah. all those motherfuckers over there are right, the problem it's right. like well dude you're paying taxes here you live here in this country own it right like own what you're doing right. and then and then and then like just feel like decide how you feel about it instead these people don't own it it's like they're completely they act like they're completely um they have no yeah, it's like totally detached really guilt-free totally detached it's it has nothing to do with me those assholes in those other countries are so much worse. Therefore, nothing we do here is bad. I exactly. mean, that is kind of like the mindset they're coming from. And it's shocking that that's not in a mindset. It's like, it, it's almost that, like, I'll say this again. I almost respect like nationalist right wingers right. more. Right. Who are like, I love this fucking country. Let's bomb the Middle East in a parking lot. Those people are barbarians. Because at least that's coming from a place right. of conviction. The other is coming from a place of like weird denial, narcissism, and detachment. Right. It's almost like because you're a feeling person, it's like you're purposely severing your logic and your emotion from like what's reality is to just function. That's not respectable. I mean, neither is being a nationalist asshole who wants to kill people, but at least that's authentic. So, no, absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. And now the Syria, uh, another Syria wave of propaganda, all of the media, that kid in the ambulance, very tragic photo horrific photo um but i can't help but wonder whenever i see something like this all over the corporate media like in uniformity what is behind it and and what's going on and so you know i always like to question that um and of course all the typical people who are in the journalism circuit all have you know they're just admonishing you before you can even say anything like how dare you even if you think about questioning this or criticizing where this is coming from then you're a shill and you're a Russia apologist. It's just like, wow, has this debate been truncated to complete shit? But um, one really interesting thing behind it that you can't deny is that the photographer also took a selfie with the, the rebels that beheaded that other kid. So it's like, well, I mean, that is kind of fair to point out. Like, who the fuck are these people and what what is really oh, happening Oh, the white here? helmets? That guy yeah, well, with no, like they, the they're... bandana on was like with those rebels who beheaded yeah, that child. Let's, let's just be real here for a second. Obviously, the kid had nothing to fucking do with it. The kid, it feel terrible for this, this child that's being used right. as a PR prop right. Right. by somebody to make it seem like America is not is like not really doing anything bad there right. because it's all Russia and Assad. Right. I'm sorry, but that's just a hundred percent fucking bullshit. And yeah, the the fact that these rebels beheaded a Palestinian little boy on camera, and we actually acted like we don't know. That that's like, did you see the State Department yeah, like, guy responding to that? See, no, I didn't see anyone talking about that. So the State Department guy actually had to respond to it because the reporters wow. asked him about it. And his response was shockingly disgusting and just acting like um, he was basically saying that, well, even if they did do that, which we can't verify and they are our rebels, which we're not <laughs> sure about. Uh, basically, what the kind of acknowledgement because he wasn't saying they weren't our rebels yeah um that even if they were doing that we can't consider that like they're not they can't be considered a terrorist group just for doing that that just might have been them like on a like a like doing like a like they're a just flute. them on a bad day yeah basically, basically <laughs> what he was saying um so if that's how we treat what's what we're involved in like if that's how we look at it and we we're portray it then yeah this propping up of this child that looks like she survived a bomb blast is totally manufactured and it's just um and it's also weird because if you watch have you seen the video of it yeah where it's like they're they put her on they like set her up for the photo shoot yeah 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 
So it's just like, what's going on? Right. Like, I mean, honestly, like, uh, it, it, it really is a propaganda war and you're, you would be a smart person to never take anything with a grain of salt that comes from these war zone territories as a means to tug at your heartstrings. But I also because, don't, yeah, I also don't understand how, when we talk about the serious situation, it's like here, going back to what we were saying before, my tax dollars are being spent to fund rebels. Some of them are which, uh, you know, beheading children and fighting with ISIS and doing all this crazy shit. So that's what I'm primarily outraged about because I know it's exacerbating the situation in a horrible manner. So I don't understand why that isn't a fair thing. Um, you know what I mean? It's like it's like already I'm basically talked down to because I'm, I'm not going out there with Assad as like the primary perpetrator with every single thing that you say. It's just like the Libya and Saddam thing. It's like, well, first condemn Assad before you talk about anything else. It's like, well, all I know is that I'm actually paying for this part of the war. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and what, and it's, and it's again, it's concern trolling. It's like, Abby, <laughs> say something neocon, like do it. Say Saddam's evil. Like take a stand on Saddam. It's like, what are you a fucking asshole? Right. Like, what are you kidding me? Do you realize what I've been doing and what we've been doing for the past like 10 years? This is what we're, this is our mission. Yeah. This is what we're fighting against. Yeah. I'm not going to let you neocon concern troll me i'm sorry it doesn't matter how many times you try how many different ways we can detect it and smell it a mile away right. now i'm sorry this is what we've been doing this for we don't fall for this bullshit i want so to talk about like, a little bit of concern trolling but if you wanted to finish your thought go no for no, it. no i just tried i was going off an angry rant but it's like after jessica lynch man all yeah. bets are off like yeah. are you kidding me yeah you want to throw a, another jessica lynch in my face and make me say condemn Assad? no i'm not an idiot right <laughs> I just, I just sad that this is what these people think is going to constantly suck people in. Yeah, they'll suck stupid people in, and these are the people that are fence sitters. And this is, this is who they're going after. They want to go after people who aren't taking a side. That's the whole point. I feel like right. They want to separate people into camps. But if you, if you keep going, if you know what your vision is, and you know what your mission is, and you keep doubling down on it. You'll get more and more attacks from these type of people because they don't like it that you're on a very clear path of your own. They want you to go into these other camps because you're you're ruining basically their narrative, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like the Jamie Kirchick thing, calling out a bunch of leftists who criticize Hillary Clinton by concern, trolling exactly, them, calling them exactly. Trump supporters. It's like the same thing. Um, yeah. I want to talk about some of this concern trolling shit because um, we know that Hillary Clinton's campaign has funded millions of dollars into the correct the record, right? The Bernie bros combating these, all these misogynists online who I never have seen actually. Um, but instead I've just seen it tons, hundreds of like propped up Hillary Clinton official accounts. I mean, not official accounts, but it like looks like it almost could be, you know, because it's just super fucking Hillary Clinton esque and like obvious trolls, you know? Like their whole mm -hmm. existence is just to like argue with people who are saying things about Hillary. So I saw this firsthand during the Green Town Hall. I, I tweeted something out about Jill Stein and how all these people's heads were exploding watching a real progressive talk about empire on TV. And it was just amazing because the first five tweets were all like official like Hillary account people who were just like anti vat like she's anti-vax and anti-science and you're a 9-11 truther. It was like repeating all the same things. And I was like, whoa, it's so weird. It almost seems like a coordinated effort to go after like the most jugular issues that you know anyone looking at the thread will be like, yeah, Jill Stein is anti-science. Like that's really uh -huh. bad. Oh, you're crazy too because you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, okay. Like it's just so yeah. obvious, you know, and I took screenshots of them because it was just so 
so fucking obvious. Um, and I saw that oh, happen it, to a lot of the tweets that were tweeting about Jill Stein. I, I know it's it's to, so my strategy for dealing with that is I like if I see even like the slightest hint of it coming in, I'll try to catch it early mm-hmm. and like almost like I did this on Facebook and it was interesting to see because I started already seeing anti Jill Stein stuff on my yeah. Facebook. So I just broadcast it. I was like, wow, isn't it funny that uh, clearly it, this is coming from the Hillary campaign because she's afraid of a third party mm-hmm candidate Mm -hmm. and she's and and there's smears going out that jill stein is an anti-vaxxer isn't that ridiculously desperate and it's kind of like i was almost hoping and waiting for someone to 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 challenge it because i know there were people on my facebook friend list who believed it yeah so it was almost like i mean in a way i do think shaming people for being gullible retards is actually a good technique sometimes (laughs) it's like it's like take pause and realize that you're being you're they're trying to wag the dog. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you're going along with it, you're already lost. It's like it's like at least stand up for yourself and just like pause for a second and be like, oh wow, why are they trying to get me to not vote for Jill Stein? It's like it's just so obvious. Yeah, exactly. And 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 someone actually asked her that, of course. You know, the two stupidest questions at the Green Town Hall. One guy said, How do you sleep at night? He was like a total mansplainy, bearded hipster. Um, and who was just like really like agitated, like wanting to interrupt her the whole time. Yeah, he was (laughs) (laughs) the bastard child of of Gavin McGinnis and Shane Smith's leg tattoos. No, totally look like that. (laughs) Um, But he was just like, how do you sleep at night knowing you're going to help Donald Trump win? And Mike was like, how do can you imagine like having that question asked to real war criminals who are just paraded around the mainstream media. It was like, yeah, ask Jill Stein, mm-hmm. how do you sleep at night? That that's good. Um, but no, th- I saw the biggest concern trolling ever. It's, it's in this whole Syria debate on Twitter. And I hate to really like, once again, say that everything's happening on Twitter. Cause it really is a fake reality. Um, but mm-hmm. it just pissed me off so much. It was, um, so, so one of the guys basically was just saying, um, arguing with this other guy about the Iraq war. And he was like, you know, I'll, I'll call it cruel. We'll call it barbaric. And he was like, but it wasn't, it was anything but quote imperialist. Uh, and then some other guy was saying that it was just, it's just really complicated. Like all these death studies, just like Sam Harris and these new atheists are just like, like qualm about like, okay, was it a million dead? 500,000 dead. It's like, who gives a, f- what are you seriously? Like, that's your response to me. Is that I'm getting the casualty count wrong? Like, what about the entire premise? It's funny, out of all the wars that the U.S. has perpetrated, it's shocking that you would actually say the Iraq war was not imperialist. Like, how could you ever justify that? Um, And his response was because they doesn't have a colonial governor, somehow conflating colonialism with imperialism. But it just reminded me of, like, all these people, these new atheists basically just saying, you know, it's really complicated just like the black on black crime, there's all the sectarian violence. Oh, well, it's just really violent over there. Um, it's just all these crazy things that I was just seeing the same kind of like empire apologists, like saying that we don't live in an empire. Like the, it was just bizarre I, um, that yeah, anyone just, could actually say the Iraq war was not imperialist. I know I just went on. It's all semantic. Rant. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all right, semantic. Exactly. It's like, it's like after World War II, all of our imperialism was done in this like completely, it's like, we're not, yeah, you can't say that we're the same as the British Empire. It's a totally yeah. different style. Right. But it's still imperialism. Right. I mean, you would you you literally would have to be an apologist to split hairs there and be like, no, yeah. we don't have an empire. This isn't imperialist, like, for these reasons. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's a semantic argument, but it really is the same. Ultimately, it's the same thing. I mean, we already know that the CIA, the OSS, was created um, 
to help corporations. Yeah. I mean, espionage for corporations. I mean, that was like, that's, that's on record that that was like the original inception of that intelligence network in this country. Right. So I don't know. It's just interesting that, um, that people would even, it's like when I see arguments like that, I, part of me wonders, are these people just really good at running intellectual cover for the American empire and they're doing it on purpose or do they really believe it? Um, yeah. It seems like they're just so concerned. Sometimes. It was like, it seemed like they were so concerned with just having their record as some fucking stupid establishment journalist being like the most unbiased they possibly could, where you have 13 years after the Iraq war, you're still saying that some Iraqis wanted Saddam gone. It's like, fuck you, dude. The, the whole Middle East is thrown into chaos. Um, ISIS is proliferated. And you're going to sit here and argue with me that some Iraqis wanted Saddam to go? Like, that's really what you're going to do? As some asshole living in, like, Virginia? Like, some rich-ass neighborhood? Like, fuck you, dude. So that's what pissed me even, off about it. It just doesn't even make sense because <laughs> how does that... How does that justify anything that happened to the war right. if some Iraqis wanted Saddam gone? <laughs> It'd be like saying, yeah, some Americans want Obama gone, so then it right. so would have been okay yeah, exactly. for like, the country to just no, exactly. bomb the shit yeah. out of it. It, yeah. doesn't make, it literally it, doesn't make any good sense. Good point. Good point. It's the saddest childlike logic I've ever good point. heard. Good point. Um, I wanted to say something else really quickly about um, talking about the Clinton Foundation. Bill Bratton, the former New York PD commissioner, stepped down after all these black lives matter protesters like occupied this park down the street and their three demands were bill bratton stepped down like reparations for the victims families and something else like jail the, the cops or whatever who were um killers and so like the next day bill bratton steps down it was this huge story he never said anything about it was because of these people were occupying but they like took credit for it of course and then like he did this press conference where he was like i got an offer i couldn't refuse so everyone was like, oh, great. What private fucking company is this guy going to go into? You know, seamless transition. And then it turns out he's going to the fucking some subsidiary for the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> Tenio. It's a nebulous consulting network on everything from corporate communications to investment banking. Revolving door for Clinton staffers and Clinton money. I mean, this is just another kind of scumbag cop, you know, like like Trump-esque cop now like working with Hillary again. Just another example of what we've been talking about this whole time. Man. Really crazy. I mean, it's just, it is really crazy when you think about all these different little networks that Hillary um, has surrounding her that have been built from like Clinton money and former Clinton staffers and like allies. Yeah. I mean, that guy, Mike Morell is the, I believe he's the actual director of a beacon global strategies which is like a think a national security think tank a private organization that comprised completely of former hillary clinton like wait you need to, and we didn't people. talk about this this is a huge thing that we need to talk about is mike morell oh mike morell yeah dude tell tell our audience about what uh what the latest is on this psychopath well i mean basically he was he was like temporary acting cia director after after general betrayus was um was resigned for having an affair her like him being outed over his affair and i didn't even remember i mean i guess just so much crazy shit has happened i just, i forgot actually that betrayus was also director of the cia yeah which is incredible to think that not only the kagans had access to like the top general in afghanistan but like fucking shadowing the director of the fucking cia like, can you imagine the power, the information that granted them to, like the access? 
anyways <laughs> yeah no it's tangent, insane but um but yeah so mike morell um he uh became like the temporary acting cia director for like i think it was like under a year after betrayus and he's like one of the most loyal hillary clinton former obama insiders um who's after he's left the obama administration is all he's done is praise hillary clinton and he's one of these guys who's actually gone out and made sure that people know that Hillary Clinton would have wanted to go harder on Syria, but her hands were tied. That's like one of his big uh, talking points. And he he put that talking point out again on Charlie Rose recently. He did this, you know, like I think it was like a half an hour long interview. Um, and in the interview, he, I mean, what actually caught headlines, it wasn't even that, that he was trying to different, differentiate Obama from Hillary. He said that we should start killing Iranians and Russians in Syria to basically teach them a lesson. We need to make the the Iranians pay a price in Syria. We need to make the Russians pay a price. The other okay, thing I would need, do... We make them pay the price by killing, killing Russians? Yes. And Iranians. killing Iranians? Yes. Covertly. So the, you don't tell the world about it, right? You don't stand up at the Pentagon and say, we did this, right? But you make sure they know it in Moscow but, and Tehran. The people who, Here's the other thing I want to do. <laughs> Here's the other thing I want to do. I want to go after, I want to go after those things that Assad sees as his personal power base, right? I want to scare Assad. So I want to, I want to um, go after his presidential guard. I want to bomb his offices in the middle of the night. Well, that happened about two years ago. As you remember when his brother-in-law was... I want to destroy his presidential aircraft on the ground. I want to destroy his presidential helicopters. Um, I want to make him think we're coming after him, right? Um, I'm not advocating assassinating him. And when Charlie Rose is like, well, so what should we do? Should we like be funding more of these rebels, like be funding the Mujahideen? And he's just like, yes! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, like, yeah. He yells yeah, it. Yeah. It's seriously the yeah. craziest. Because this whole time for the past like couple of years, I've been finding clips of neocons saying things like this and being shocked by them. But here now we have like a Democrat insider, totally left of center, or you know, you could argue that he's even left of center, but he's not like a neocon right winger saying the same things about these crazy proxy wars that are happening right now and being very eager for another Cold War scenario and not even a Cold War scenario, a hot war scenario. It was the most insane admission I'd, I think I'd ever seen of someone in the establishment talking openly yeah. about about covert operations i mean it was it was absolutely batshit crazy it almost seemed like it had like a mental break um because it was just so un unheard of for anyone to say something like this um and he was just saying yeah i want to covertly kill many many iranians and russians to quote teach them a lesson teach them well, a lesson and bomb that... assad's plane and house bomb his house bomb his oh, plane yeah, yeah, yeah. remember Scare that clip assad. i put in Part three of a very heavy agenda of that guy saying he was on Lou Dobbs saying, well, Lou, I think we need to start sending a lot more Russians home in body bags and uh, we need to start killing a lot more Russians. And Lou Dobbs is just like, oh, that's what we call leading from behind. Right, right, right. They chuckle. That was like insane right wing, like ex general crazy talk a year ago. Right. Not anymore. Imagine that. This is how far we've gone since then. Like that already seemed like wow that's some fringy crazy shit to be saying on right TV. and it's and it's like also crazy to this guy we're already here this guy was endorsing hillary clinton all over the place he's probably going to work with her in some capacity she's definitely going to 
talk to him about what her strategy is in Russia, in Syria. And he, he's out there basically saying he wants to kill a bunch of Russians and Iranians. I mean, what is that going to do? This woman already wants to amplify all this tension. You already found out by Robert Kagan that she's going to take us much further in two of the most volatile proxy war regions right now. It's, it's extremely disturbing. And this is definitely not making me any less scared is hearing this guy who's like the former CIA director who endorses Hillary um, saying this is what he wants to be the strategy there. It's terrifying. And here, here's the even t- it's like, so just what I was saying about how yeah. it's like now this is normal. Like this should be getting headlines all right, over right, the place. Right. Should be getting on media. Yeah. Should be getting on media <laughs> mat. Like all these websites should be posting. It's like, wow, look at this hor- crazy right. clip. Like should be on right. MSNBC, people playing it, replaying it. Even Fox News people who don't want a new Cold War. Totally. I mean, so that's really frightening that it's just a blip and nobody, like barely anyone looked at it or broadcast it except for like people in the alternative media. So crazy. And then now, what's to me is even scarier than that, Abby, is that Hillary Clinton is not doing this to try to get votes. Mm -hmm. Like there's no campaign strategy behind this. Right, right, right. If you really want to boil it down and think, okay, what's her strategy for trying to court this cold war 2.0 hysteria what's the campaign strategy i don't think there is one that to me is the more scary part because it really seems like something that these people really want like independent of everybody in this country. oh yeah yeah everyone's opposed it's their to vision. it yeah they're just going they're for very it. determined mm-hmm. and that's really scary exactly. i don't it's totally detached from us in the in the american public and i don't i honestly don't think they even realize it like that's how crazy they are yeah like, also is, like what's the cam- bubble like what's the campaign strategy for allying yourself with like cia officials you're definitely not picking yeah. up any or, progressive votes it's like it's just crazy yeah and and she already made a video did you already see the campaign video she put out comparing trump to Putin? yeah super mccarthyite shit yeah i think we were saying that on the last maybe the last podcast that that's going to be something she might do or something or i don't even remember but it's just, it, I just don't understand where it's going to go from here. Right. I mean, it's almost like they're trying as hard as they can now to make it seem like Putin and Trump are connected somehow. And that all Trump's people are working for Putin. Like this guy Manafort mm-hmm. um, that got thrown under the bus recently by the Trump campaign. Um, so I, I honestly don't know where, where it's going to go. So yeah, Mike Morell is a complete sociopath and he basically is just bragging about how much he wants to kill humans on TV. Very, very disturbing. Everyone definitely should check out that interview. Yeah, the full thing is now online. It's been making the rounds, um, mostly in the alternative media circles, uh, but very little play in mainstream media circles. I mean, can you imagine if a Russian official said, we need to start killing more Americans? in syria or something or in iraq or some and how much play that would get over here it would be like number one news story like it would go like on headlines of like cnn there'd be like roundtable discussions about it i think russia knows right now to like to at least back off in the rhetorical realm because anything they do i feel like we're gonna like really seize on it i mean with this climate right now so that's what I mean by just scary. It's scary, scary because things are so hot um, right now. I feel like there's just it's it's almost like that. It's like that dry, 
hot, sunny weather where they say like fire warning. It's mm-hmm, kind of like mm-hmm. the feeling I'm getting right now. Like the like burbs. high fire danger. <laughs> the burbs. Like time period. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, and you could just hear it in all these different places like this, uh, WikiLeaks, a DNC email leak. Um, Julian Assange is under a lot of, uh, pressure right now. And he's getting a lot of flack for allegedly getting this source from like the Russian government is the narrative right now. And it's all over media, not just mainstream media. It's on NPR too. Your favorite channel. Um, <laughs> yeah, when and, Bob, uh, Bob Garfield, um, I went on after the Crimea thing and it was just like a complete setup where Bob Garfield just was like total attack mode right from the beginning. Like, how does it feel to work for an overt propaganda station? Kind of the same tone that this this guy takes with Julian Assange, but go on. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to f- actually find out the guy's name of who interviewed him. Um, okay, so... David Green, I need to call this mm-hmm. crazy motherfucker out because this guy is good at being a propagandist specifically for an intellectual liberal, liberal class. And when you listen to this interview with Julian Assange, um, he's basically just asserting several times throughout the interview that Julian Assange's source was Russian. And basically like that, it's like the Russian government, like he got it from the Russian government. That was his source. Mm -hmm. And every time this guy asserts it, Julian Assange has to remind him that, you know, these so-called cybersecurity experts that I don't know, you know, that people saw these making the rounds on the internet were all saying that a DNC hack had Russian fingerprints, Mm -hmm. Mm a DNC hack. Mm -hmm. There have been several DNC hacks over the past few years, Mm -hmm. several. Um, and Julian Assange was making sure to remind him that this is, is on one hand, there are cybersecurity experts who all said that a DNC hack had Russian fingerprints. And for some reason, inexplicably, all these cybersecurity experts were all hired to do these really quick forensic, in quotes, investigations of this, of a particular hack right after these DNC emails came out. So it's like the timing was designed to make it seem like and confuse people that they were the same thing. That these cybersecurity experts were investigating the DNC leak. They were not. They were investigating a hack completely separate, different, as far as we know, from the DNC leak. But this is where the cleverness comes in. Whoever figured out to do this around the same time, it doesn't, the facts don't matter because I think most people will be confused hearing this interview and think that Julian Assange is on the defensive and he's like not answering this guy's questions. It's very cleverly um, framed what this guy is doing. And I think, I mean, I don't know. Well, well, before before we play it, yeah. I mean, well, the most batshit crazy thing about it is that there's one journalist who's working for NPR basically attacking another journalist, Julian Assange. And as he mentions, he's like, this is a huge journalistic scoop. Um, I have 20,000 emails proving the rigging process of American democracy. Like this is a huge fundamental component and contribution to like the, you know, just journalism in general and news gathering. And so this guy is basically just saying, who's your source? Who's your source? Who's your source? It's just like a completely insane thing to do to a journalist from one journalist to another. That's the weirdest part about this whole interview to me. And also just kind of saying, just ridiculing him and being like, um, don't you think it's kind of like an important thing to investigate who your source is? Well, here's the interesting thing about that. Yeah, it's it's like, so we've gone, 
So when did Julian Assange like really become a public figure? Was it maybe around like 2011, 2012, yeah. maybe um, where he, where collateral murder came out. So that was the narrative put forth to sort of counter WikiLeaks and all these leaks was it's like, it's like, um, you know, there's, it's like, oh, they're not real journalists. Like, so we can badger them about their sources and like arrest and do a witch hunt for their sources, like Chelsea Manning style. Um, but I feel like that the WikiLeaks evolved enough and became a serious enough entity where that was no longer like the big, the big way to spin things against them. It was no longer about like, oh, well, they need to reveal their sources because they're breaking the law. Like they were able to move past that for a while. I mean, obviously not completely because Julian Assange is in an Ecuadorian embassy, um, you know, and he hasn't left. He's hiding there basically from the UK law who are probably going to arrest him the moment he steps out. But what I'm saying is they're going back to this old narrative because now is the time because it's like, oh, WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, like they're acting, he's like acting um, like uh, like irresponsible and he's, his rhetoric is a little more extreme now and he's, you know, they have like, they're really ballsy and they're doing all these things now. So it's like, now's the time to hit them back with this idea that they're not real journalists that need to reveal their sources and then as you see, even on The Intercept, Robert McKay, the fucking, you know, total establishment chill piece of shit, writes an article about how Julian Assange's personality has gone off the deep end um, and how he's like a really just untrustworthy person now. Yeah, it was just a total it's personal just, hit piece against Julian Assange because Julian Assange called him an establishment shill because he is. Yeah. Um, it was great. It was so great. Yeah, let's play some of this interview because it's just absolutely surreal. Which, uh, let's play a clip. Let's play the clip where um, the guy just keeps dodging Julian Assange's statement that it was a different, there's a difference between the DNC leak and the hack. And the guy just keeps bringing it back to Russia. Yeah. And acting like Julian Assange is not saying that. That WikiLeaks released, those emails come from Russia. Well, we don't comment as to our sources, but James Clapper. DNI, Director of National Intelligence of the United States, uh-huh. oversees all 16 U.S. intelligence agencies. He has said that there is media hyperventilation about this issue and that they are not in a position to make any attributions, let alone claims uh, as to motivation. Every cyber expert who's looked at this has, has said it's Russia. Are you, are you telling me that that information did not come to you from Russia? No cyber expert has said that our emails that we published come from Russia. What they have said is that they have looked at some of the hacking of the DNC over the last two years and said that the malware in that hacking appeared to be Russian. And that's that's a, a different question. Do you know where these emails came from? Yes, I, I know where they came from. They came from the DNC. Do so you know the source that provided them to you? Well, we don't comment on sourcing because it makes it easier for any investigation. Mr. Sanchez, did, did you have a motive, though, once you were in possession of these emails? Was there a motive to release them, to decide these emails are from the DNC, they have to do with Hillary Clinton's campaign, so you decided I'm going to release them for a reason here? Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a wonderful scoop. Uh, what media organization who had received that information would not publish it? I think that's a real question. I would like to say the answer is no media organization would censor that material. Unfortunately, due to incredible partisanization that is occurring in the U.S. media landscape in the lead-up to the election. I'm not confident that, in fact, all media in the United States would have published those emails. Do you have emails um, from the Trump campaign or, or the Republican Party? 
we try to avoid talking too much about pending publications because it, it, it kind of, you know, we don't want to accidentally scoop ourselves in. Although pending uh, publications in, 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 makes or, it sound like you, something might be pending that might be coming from you about the Trump campaign. We, the uh, U.S. electoral process with two pretty much reviled candidates having the lowest approval ratings of any pair of candidates in the last hundred years going into the U.S. election is generating a desire by various sources inside and outside campaigns to contribute information to WikiLeaks and the rest of the news media. Okay. So if, if you do indeed have or, or get in possession of stuff about the Trump campaign, you would be just as ready to release that as you were the, the DNC emails? Yes, of course. Uh, if anyone has information that is from inside the Trump campaign, uh, which is authentic, it's not like uh, some claimed witness statement, but actually internal documentation, mm -hmm. we'd be very happy to receive it and publish it. I want to circle back to, to where we began the conversation, because you, you brought up this question of whether there's an argument that you're a threat to national security. I mean, there are cybersecurity experts who say that someone in Russia, perhaps the Russian government, was responsible for getting this information to you. If you indeed no, have... No, there aren't. They, they, are, they are speaking about the hacks of the DNC, not our publications. There's a difference. It's, it's possible for people to count the two. One, there's been hacks of the DNC and many other organizations over the last few years. Two, WikiLeaks published information from the DNC. But, but if, if the United States government thought that you might have knowledge that a foreign government had hacked into a political institution in the United States during a presidential they election... They haven't could, asked. But, but could asked. you see that as a reason they might want to continue this investigation as seeing you as a possible threat to national security? Well, that would be a different investigation. So once again, there's various hacks of the DNC and there's our publications are different things. But I mean, could you blame the DOJ for wanting to carry on with this investigation until they figure this out in, in case they you know, believe that you might have knowledge here of, of the Russians doing this? Well, that would be a different investigation. We've published many things about many countries over the years, including you know, NSA revelations about the United States last year, very serious ones about spying on the French presidency, uh, trying to interfere in the climate negotiations, etc. All of these are potential investigations, but they are different investigations. Well, let me, apart from the different investigations, could you see people in the U.S. government thinking that you might be a threat to national security? Well, I mean, there's great people in the U.S. government. Many of them are our sources. And there's terrible people in the U.S. government. Unfortunately, the U.S. government is a, you know, a reflection to some degree of the rest of society. So it's filled with a share of paranoid, um, sociopathic power climbers. But, but is it paranoid uh, to look at these uncensored documents? Judgment, etc. Is it paranoid to look at these uncensored documents, these emails that that are released by you? And if they believe that that could change a U.S. presidential election, could be a threat to national security. Why isn't it logical for them just, to, to see I mean, the, you as a possible threat? Uh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold, okay. hold it right there. Okay, hold it right there. Uh, this is a great journalistic scoop. Twenty thousand emails from within the heart of the DNC, which has led to the resignation of the top four officials of the DNC. Those resignations occurred because it revealed an attempt to fix the primary process in favour of Hillary Clinton. That's a remarkable and important contribution to U.S. democracy by our sources and by WikiLeaks. Any allegation that that is a process that should be stopped is deeply worrying. Of course, let's be realistic. It's coming about because Hillary Clinton is in a position where she is trying to 
gain support and reduce criticism. And her supporters in the media and elsewhere are trying to distract. Now, of course, others suggest WikiLeaks has been making an effort to distract, to draw attention away from its alleged sources in Russia. The group announced it would offer a $20,000 reward for information about Seth Rich, a 27-year-old DNC staffer who was shot and killed last month in what police suspect was a late-night robbery gone bad. WikiLeaks offering that reward sparked speculation that Rich was in some way involved with the DNC emails. Some have seen that as possibly a, some kind of smokescreen, maybe an effort by you to draw attention away from some relationship. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on what he's doing there? I mean, it's just completely obvious. He's trying to conflate these issues, but he knows better. Like you were saying, it's much more fascinating hearing this NPR pseudo-intellectual banter to try to frame this argument in a really conniving way, whereas like, it's just way more dumbed down on Fox News or CNN, where it's just like, this is he's a Manchurian candidate. This is just like a much more savvy way to get people who listen to NPR thinking this. Yeah, it's it's like he... I, I feel like this reporter knows and understands Julian Assange's point, but he wants to, he wants to conflate the two issues um, yeah, exactly. in a manipulative fashion. Like he's doing it intentionally and he's making it almost seem like that he just knows better and he thinks he's going to get one on over, like that he like knows better than Julian Assange. Julian Assange is being shifty. Like that's the tone that he's trying to set in this interview and it almost kind of works if you're not paying full attention to what Julian Assange is saying. Like if you're already going into it thinking Julian Assange is untrustworthy, you won't come away with it from this interview thinking any differently. And even maybe if you were kind of in the middle, I don't know if you would like disbelieve, you know, that this Russian ha- alleged hack yeah. was different from the, uh, or, oh, I don't even know what I was saying there, but um, yeah, no, I know. You know what you're it just it's it's really interesting that these the, i mean i guess that these uh that they're trying to do this now mostly to the liberal left of center political leaning people in this country rather than the right wing like we've we've already gone through so many years of obvious right wing propaganda and obvious just like you know like foreign policy you know propaganda like from the obama administration but this just feels different and at a different level of like them tr- really trying to, and I may and I'm making it sound like it's some big grand conspiracy. I'm not, that's not how I think this works. I just think that these people know how to craft these narratives in order to get people to think a certain way. And in this yeah, case, it's, they're obviously trying to get people to think that, that Russia is trying to undermine our democracy. We really boil down and the same what this interview is about. And at the same time, it's perfect because it's also undermining WikiLeaks and w- because WikiLeaks is hurting the democratic establishment. You know, and the whole, yeah. and the guy's whole framing, like, um, so where are your documents on Trump? Where are they? And he's like, well, I will publish them. He's like, if anyone working in the RNC wants to send me emails, I'm happy to publish them. He's like, but right now all we have is this, you fucking dumbass. God, and that so guy was so annoying. What what effect is it really having? Is it making like it would almost make more sense if the president or John Kerry like went on TV or went and did a press conference about it and he's like, "Look, this is really alarming that Russia is trying to undermine our democracy. Like this is a problem for like 
the future of like election. Like if they made a big deal about it, like on right. that level. But I almost feel like this is more like a whisper campaign. Yep. I mean, it's not because yep. it's like a mainstream media headline, but it's not. It's like meant to make people paranoid, which is kind of a, like a weird thing it's doing. Because where does that leave people? Yeah, exactly. It it's kind of goes back to that Adam Curtis, you know, that Peter Pomerantsev, um uh, thing about Surkov and Russia. Uh, that it's like it leaves people confused and a little bit paralyzed and unsure. It's like the um, Syria thing. It's like you don't know what's what's the reality. You don't exactly. know what the truth is and you don't know what you can do about it. Mm-hmm. You feel completely paralyzed. Yeah, it's it's totally... It's totally a whisper campaign. Um, but then you have those Hillary ads that are just like more than insinuating it, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all it's the Democratic Party has gone full tilt that Trump and Putin are somehow linked together. And um, and and that's just where it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that a lot of people b- have already bought into that. I mean, I, I don't even know if I went into this on the podcast. I and mean, maybe I should really shortly um, is... When I screened a very heavy agenda part two, which if people out there haven't seen it, it's mostly about Ukraine and the ramping up of how the neocons help push us into a new Cold War scenario and mindset during the Obama administration. When I screened this movie to a group of mostly registered Democrats, um, they're older uh, folks, uh, maybe age 50 to 70, um, you know, a lot of retired age people who are still very passionate Democrats and they're mostly on the left, a little more to the left than probably the average Democrat. After I screened the movie, um, I spent about 15 minutes basically tamping down this idea that Trump was a Manchurian Russian candidate. Um, and it was incredible that even these people who were extremely well-informed, very anti-war, had already gone along with that narrative and I was trying to explain to them, look, like Trump is a terrible dude. There's nothing positive you can say about him. All his, you know, anti-war rhetoric, all of that sounds solely phony. But like this is, it doesn't change the fact that Hillary Clinton is literally reaching out to neoconservatives. And she's not doing it in some sort of strategic lip service kind of way. She's doing it because it actually seems like she really either believes it or she just wants to be friends with these people. And that's really, really disturbing. Like, I just kept trying to get them to understand that, yeah, all this stuff with Trump, I mean, you could talk about this or, but then I was also trying to explain to them that it's like, don't, just don't let yourselves get paranoid enough to feel like you have to vote for Hillary Clinton because like Russia is meddling. Like, that's a bad mindset, unhealthy mindset to be in. Like, don't, just don't let them do that. I was like, it is similar to the WMDs in Iraq. Like, there's no evidence um, and I was like, and I just showed you in the movie, like they were all rushing to judgment the day after the MH17 was shot down mm-hmm. saying that a Russian book did it. We didn't know for a long time, like what really did it. And the Dutch investigators like didn't even really confirm that a hundred percent, you know, and, and it's like, we acted like it, the investigation was conclusive within like 24 hours. Yeah. What That's about, that other, what about that other plane that was, uh, that they said was a terrorist attack, like over Egypt. And then Hillary came out that day. And said it was a terrorist attack, and then it came out that it wasn't. It was just like, wow, that was a little bit more than irresponsible, wasn't it? That was really strange. Yeah, where it was almost like there was a moment where the Obama administration wanted to give Russia a point. 
like they wanted to give them points for like going after ISIS or something yeah. like on a PR level. So I was like, we'll just say that this was an ISIS attack. But at the quick. same time, it was like what super fear mongering. Yeah, like, I mean, it also just terror terrorizing everyone because it's like that's the worst your worst fear you know that your plane's gonna be hijacked so it was like the fact yeah, that no one did like a press that? conference oh it was just like a fire in the cockpit or something um it wasn't an attack but it's just like no one gave a press conference and said it wasn't you know just like no one gave yeah. a press conference and said that the anthrax didn't come from a fucking muslim terrorism mm-hmm um, but I wanted to get into the Texaco stuff, but we don't have time anymore. We have to do, we have to finish the third part. So we'll have to do another podcast about, about Ecuador and, and how this crazy pollution that Texaco Chevron left in the Amazon another time. But is there any, anything you wanted to wrap up with Rob? No, I mean, just why don't we just end by you giving a, like a synopsis of it, of mm-hmm. the, at least the ones you've already released. Okay. Um, cause they're really, I mean, I think everybody should watch them. It's, it's it's tragic and it's devastating. And it's also like fascinating how little, um, that you will hear of this. Yeah. It's like the biggest empire files episodes. Yeah. It's like the biggest oil spill in the world that you've never heard of. Um, because like you were saying before, it's the ultimate sacrifice zone, um, where these whole countries have just been exploited for profit while they were not really sovereign states back during their colonial statuses or, you know, Ecuador in particular was a military junta. There was no elections during this time that Texaco went in and just implemented all these insane cost cutting measures that were banned in the U.S. They had written about safety standards. They knew, um, you know, how to how to not pollute. <laughs> so they purposely built all these like gooseneck pipes that would drain all the excess oil that they had in like several hundred over a thousand pools in the middle of the Amazonian rainforest, like the most biodiverse region in the world. And they had not only these pools of toxic sludge, billions of gallons of it um, funneling through, but at the same time they were draining all the overflow water. And, And if you know what the Amazon is, you know that it rains constantly, you know? So it was basically just 18 billion gallons more of this oil filled wastewater that was just tracked all throughout the jungle causing an untold amount of damage and death, uh, not only to animals, but also many, many indigenous people. Two tribes were wiped out completely after they started drilling there. And Chevron merged with Texaco in 2001 and then basically just inherited its legacy of crimes and has been fighting this indigenous community as well as other people who were brought there to work um, because all of them are dying of cancer. And they've been fighting a lawsuit that they lost in Ecuadorian court over the last 10 years and spent $2 billion already. There's mercenaries and spies all over Ecuador. Um, and we have this segment that just came out. That's just like goes over who is Chevron, who is Texaco. Um, that's what's so great about the empire files is you can go into the history and, and legacy of these corporations and just see how disgusting they really are. I mean, you really can't make this shit up. Torklin Reber, the CEO of Texaco was just an open fascist sympathizer, an open Nazi who helped Hitler, <laughs> who helped genocide yeah. happen. Like, and, and it's just insane that that company wasn't shut down. Flag. Yeah. That, that, like it so, should have been shut down right then. Like how did it grow to become one of the biggest oil corporations in the world? So these are all well, just it, things that you never hear about. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't, and it kind of almost reminds me of like, it's like the, the, the idea that America was so prosperous at the beginning, like on an economic sense, because we built the entire thing on slavery is true. It's like the same thing almost kind of goes for these, you know, these, 
these other countries that these corporations run rampant in because um, they could just rape and pillage the people in the land so hard that and then and it's almost like it is a form of um i don't even know how you describe it it's like it's just it is like a like some like a it's like economic I mean, like, terrorism yeah it's like yeah. you're just economically just stealing all the resources and and there's no recourse and um it's so crazy seeing where else they've gone i mean that's just one area it's definitely the worst but they also like had the Nigerian military like assassinate activists and stuff. And I mean, it's just crazy when you think of this transnational corporation that has no constitution, it doesn't abide by any real international law, as we've also exposed, that there's no international law binding corporations for human rights atrocities or environmental destruction. So that's something else that is happening at the UN level. It's like, yeah, too little, too late, guys. The world's already completely fucked by these corporations. Yeah. So... Um, but it's just insane what Chevron did and, and what they've gotten away with. And because they're a U.S. corporation, just bound by nothing, they've been able to just like use, extrapolate U.S. laws. So they've like taken all the all the most terrible things about the U.S., which is like this immunity, and then just been able to go around the world, you know, bound by no real like nation state. So it's just an insane situation that's going on. And um, and the U.S. just ruled again in favor of them they've been trying to do all this like extrajudicial shit. They hired judges, they bribed witnesses. Anyway, check it out. It, it's, it's just, there's so much to cover here, but um, it's just shocking. It really is. And these people's stories will just tear at your heartstrings. We went and interviewed people who are dying right now. And, and the only thing they care about, they just said, please help us get this story out. Like if it, you know, when we die, Hopefully our testimony will help get justice someday. Like that's all they fucking care about is some sort of justice for the last 50 years being lied to their land being destroyed. And then like they have nowhere to go. There was no sort of, you know, um, relocation process. There was nothing. And these people have to drink. Some of these people have to drink the water because there's no potable water. Like they live in the fucking middle of the jungle. You know, no, it's just it's just the saddest thing ever because it's like in a way it's I mean you when you almost think about a and I and I probably will sound like an idiot if there's any scientists or environmental scientists listening to this please correct me but in my mind at least it almost seems like a like an oil spill in like an ocean mm-hmm. in some way is almost less devastating because like this is just in like dense ass jungle mm-hmm. for hundreds of square miles. I mean, maybe even more like, thou- I don't know how yeah. big this whole area is. I, I couldn't tell based on your, it was your like the size you- of Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, just think about that in dense jungles. I mean, there are literally some Mayan temples in the fucking South American jungles that haven't been discovered yet by man that are too dense to get into mm-hmm, that we've mm-hmm. like seen on satellite maps. So imagine that you have an oil spill the size of Rhode Island in a dense jungle area with all these waterways and it's so it's just so awful when you right. really start like and you were there i yeah. mean fucking a i can't even imagine i mean and just looking at all that like yeah just the amount of in that video you play in the episode of the mm-hmm. of the team of like white chevrons guys going like oh you're oh bob you found oil over here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not good bob like you keep finding oil you're not supposed to like they were just like joking around yep. about it it's like wow that's what that's what you feel when you're there and you see like all these insects and I'm just obsessed with like nature documentaries and David Attenborough and so just being in that area even for just 
a couple hours and seen the craziest insects you've ever seen in your entire life. And then you just think like, how could anyone be here with the heart and soul and, and do this, you know, and like just do this to this environment. It just makes no sense to me how you can intentionally be a part of that whole operation. And there were thousands of people who were, and they've paid out $2 billion, I think, trying to just criminalize all the witnesses, um, infiltrate the case, spy on everyone and also just lie 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 they have so much pr robbie it's it's insane they have like entire websites that are just running full time of disinformation and it's it's actually really confusing i remember during just all the research and stuff it's like really really convoluted and they've opened so much litigation that it's so hard to tell like what actually happened and it's all just by design because chevron just has unlimited funds to do so you know just like bp hired those trolls from that PR campaign to like correct the narrative online. I mean, just imagine what Chevron's doing to these poor people. Yeah. So it's crazy, but yeah, everyone check it out. My brother did the whole, the score for it, which was really, really cool. So it's a great collaboration. Yeah, I really, uh, I think this is, um, it's, I mean, it's pretty much like a trilogy mm-hmm. you guys have done mm-hmm. and I haven't seen the third one yet, but, uh, everybody please check it out. Um, it's really important and corporations are still fucking up our planet. <laughs> it's, 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 it hasn't stopped just because yeah. you haven't heard about Fukushima or mm-hmm. BP in the news. I mean, this, this oil is still there in yeah. the jungle seeping into the ground, into the water and probably even getting into the rain too, to a certain extent. That's the thing is that it all evaporates. Yeah. There's like a yeah. film that evaporates and then it just think about how much that's constantly raining in the area. And that's the thing that shocked me the most is how this oil is still there. I was seeing oil that was like 60 years old and it looked like it was fresh. Yeah. That's, that's how much this shit just doesn't go away. Yeah. So yeah, Chevron needs to clean up its mess, take accountability. We need to hold these criminal corporations accountable for their actions. And it starts with us because it's a U.S. corporation and our government has been giving them immunity for the last century. So really crazy. Um, Check out our big oil episode, too, because it talks about how big oil got to be where it is today. Yeah. And just a little tidbit tidbit for those listening. I heard something through the grapevine, um, a guy who allegedly worked for the CIA you can look into this if you want. I haven't looked into it too deeply, but apparently the CIA has people doing espionage operations, studying the amount of oil in wells all over the world for oil companies. Um, so I don't know. This is something I heard. Um, check it out. <laughs> see, see if there's wow, anything to that's that. That's really disturbing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening and um, go check out the Empire Files. And please uh, go to a veryheavyagenda.com. I'm still selling DVDs and video on demand of the film series. Um, and please donate to this podcast by going to mediaroots.org. Every donation helps. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Um, talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>